Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and thank you for listening to Blog Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Nefertiti Noel. And I'm Darren Noel. We're here today to talk to you about depression and how depression can affect the different relationships you're in, whether it's a family relationship, a friendship, um, or any other type of relationship, a coworker relationship, that many people are affected by depression, especially um, this time of year, not only this time of year, but especially this time of year with um, the sun going down earlier, people having less daylight hours, many people start to experience symptoms of depression. And if you're in this position where you're feeling depressed or you're feeling some sadness or some different feelings, feel free to give our office a call, 630-428-2344, and try to make an appointment with a clinician, um, whether it's an in-office appointment or whether you do a virtual appointment. In addition, though, if you're feeling suicidal or homicidal or in, in a crisis situation, call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room and try to get as much help as possible. Great points, Dr. Well, because this is a very serious topic. I personally did not know all, all, all how serious this was, but the question is a very serious situation. Is If you do need help, please reach out to get some help, okay? What I want to do is start off going through some of the symptoms uh, and signs of depression, okay? Something you can look out for if, you, if you're, you yourself is going through this or if you see a family member or friend showing some of these symptoms, it may be a watch out that that person or yourself may be depressed, okay? This is from an article on from the Mayo Clinic about depression uh, entitled Supporting a Family Member or Friend. So some of the signs and symptoms of depression include uh, feeling sa- sad, down, or empty. Uh, they're losing interest in activities that they once found pleasure in. So you used to love softball, used to love basketball, but all of a sudden no interest in that, no interest in going skiing, whatever the case may be, that sudden change, okay? Feeling hopeless, worthless, or helpless, things of that nature. Also, very, very irritable or restless, someone who's normally uh, pretty calm and even keeled, normally all of a sudden is very irritable, jumping, uh, getting angry really quick or things of that nature. Uh, changes in appetite, are you losing or gaining weight without a plan? All of a sudden you don't feel like eating, wait a minute. You know, we used to always go out to lunch, no, nah, I'm going to skip lunch today, I'll oh, skip lunch tomorrow. No, that's not part of a, a weight loss plan or anything like that, but just loss of appetite. Someone who's sleeping poor or sleeping extended long uh, length of time. Someone who, you know, doesn't get out of bed. Come on, let's go. No, it's noon on a Saturday or Sunday. I'm going to stay in bed. These type of behaviors. Uh, feeling tired or having less energy. Uh, having persistent feeling of guilt. It's feeling very uh, shameful. Oh, it's my fault here. Someone says, oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe, you know, what's going on? Oh, it's just my fault. Um, crying, excessive crying a lot, things of that nature. Uh, having trouble thinking, concentrating, or making decisions, uh, a decreased capability in performance. Um, they normally perform at a certain level, for whatever reason, they're making mistakes that they don't normally make, things of that nature. Having thoughts of suicide, okay? People uh, talking about that, 
verbalizing that, that they want to kill themselves and things of that nature, and abusing alcohol or drugs, okay? These are all signs and symptoms of someone who is uh, showing potentially being depressed. Okay, these are things we need to watch out for. Absolutely. Now, I do not encourage you to go around diagnosing people. Let me be really careful with that because some of the things, like if a person doesn't have an appetite for a day, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're depressed. But in general, when a clinician is diagnosing a person with with, with this diagnosis, we've seen the behavior for an extended period of time. And um, But for you guys, if you're dealing with family members or relatives and you know that a lot of people just use the word sad, um, but if you're seeing extreme cases of this or even if just little changes going on, this may be a good show for you to listen to. This may be your opportunity to get involved and show some help. So lots of people wrote in and had some really serious questions. So we're going to start with the questions. And let me tell you, I'm a clinician, which means that I'm always going to err on the side of safety. I'm always going to tell you to do a safety check. Go talk to somebody. Go get some help because a side effect of depression is suicide. So if a person completes a suicide, there's not any coming back from that, at least on this end of it. Like I can't, I can't wake anybody up from the dead. You can't do that. You, you can't make someone stop doing anything negative. But you can try to intercede when you see some of these dangerous um, signs. So one person said, I'm concerned about my best friend. We're both seniors in high school, and last week my best friend told me that she self-injured. She showed me her arms, and they look horrible. She made me swear not to tell, but I don't know what to do. If I tell, I know she won't ever speak to me again. That is a very, very good question because I have a lot of young folks that come in with this concern that a friend tells you that they're self-injuring or that they're suicidal or that they're in some way wanting to hurt themselves. Without going into a long lecture, I'm going to tell you that self-injury and suicidal behaviors are two separate issues. But I am going to say that in a situation where your friend is self-injuring, self-injury is a sign of a loss of control and that people are using self-injury in some instances to control the mood, to control their environment, to control some things about themselves. You are very right that you could possibly lose her friendship. However, if you do not tell someone what's going on, then this, this issue could progress and then it could move to a, a place where the person's suicidal. So I am going to tell you that even though you swore to secrecy and you promised her that you wouldn't tell, that this is a dangerous, dangerous enough situation that you have to alert somebody. So I'm going to tell you that you have two options. One, go to your parents and try to um, talk to them and ask them to help you approach her family, or number two, tell a school counselor. Those are the two choices. So since you're a senior in high school, you can either go to the school counselor, one that you know, even if you've never met any of them, go in and say, listen, I don't know if this is an emergency or not, but this is what my friend is telling me. I'm really concerned about her, and can you help me? The second thing is to, if you don't do that, then the other option, you have both options, is to go to your parents or do both. If I were you, I'd probably go to your parents first um, and then also go to the school counselor the next time you're in school. Here's the situation. If she, if she mistakenly is self-injured and kills herself or hurts herself very badly, you would regret that much longer than knowing that you helped save a friend's life or that you helped her feel better. And we make all kind of promises when we're in high school about what we won't tell, what we won't say, what we won't do. But I'm going to encourage you to never make promises that, that to protect someone's dangerous secrets like self-injuring or, or suicide. Darren? No, I agree. I know it's a very challenging situation and, and emotionally for you as well, but I 100% agree with Dr. Noel. 
this person, you need to try and get some help. Absolutely. So, you know, I really admire you for caring enough about your friend to sort of find out what's going on. So, you know, I would tell your mother, tell the school counselor. I would also, though, then follow up and let them know, listen, Susie, you gave me this information. I didn't, it was too heavy for me. I didn't know what to do with it, so I had to tell someone. Because at both juniors in high school, there's no way you can handle this, this issue for her. And you also have to go about the business of your grades, your school, the things that you have to do. So you can't be her therapist. You can be a friend and go to someone and get some help for her. So good question. The next person says, I am writing because I have bipolar disorder. Right now I'm fine, but I have recently started dating. It's getting serious, and I want to know when I should tell him about my situation. I'll repeat the question. says, I am writing because I have bipolar disorder. Right now I'm fine, but I have recently started dating. It's getting serious, and I want to know when I should tell him about my situation. Well, one of the things I'm going to tell you is honesty as soon as possible is the most most helpful thing. Um you would rather know now if this person is going to stay with you with or without bipolar disorder than getting staying with him six months, eight months to a year, and then finding out like a year into the time that you've invested in him that he can't stay with you because of the situation. So I'm going to say to really just have a, a conversation. I'm sure that you guys have talked about other things, past relationships, uh, past problems in your life, and so this is the time where I would say, hey, you know, I wanted to let you know. I am managing it very well. I mean, I'm assuming you're managing well because you're writing a question about it, but I'm managing very well, but here is kind of a concern I have. Let him know that you have bipolar disorder. Explain to him what that really means. A lot of people don't clearly have an understanding of what bipolar disorder is and they think they know. And then talk to him about the ways that you're managing the situation. In addition, I mean, if he wants to see what, how do you get treatment, what do you do, you may want to invite him to your therapy sessions if you're getting those and just Figure out a way to incorporate him so he feels safe with what's happening, the information he's getting, and that you are indeed handling the situation. Also, it's important that let's say you are in an argument and he, you're acting different. He can't figure out why. If he doesn't know you have bipolar disorder, he may not understand some of the, the changes in your behavior or changes in your mood that are going on, and I really believe that that bears some honesty. Like you, That's something that you can't hide. It's a part of who you are. And it's fine, you just have to let them know. No, I agree about the communication of that. And especially you want to communicate it before decisions are made, before he's decided to take the next the, the relationship to the next level or you are to all the so that the cards are on the table so you can each can make a, a honest decision about what level you want to take the relationship to. But you have to have the information on the table so people can make a, a honest in uh decision. Absolutely. Also I really relate mental illness, depression, bipolar disorder, things of that nature, to any other medical issue. If if you had diabetes and he was baking you cakes every day, you would say, listen, I, I can't eat that. I'm on insulin. I'm a diabetic. I can't take it. But the difference is there's a lot of shame associated with depression or bipolar disorder or things of that nature. People feel a lot of shame because there's a theory that you can just shake this off. If that's just you're being moody, you can just shake it off. But a real diagnosis is real for that person, and, it, and it's a part of who they are as people. Maybe not forever, but in the here and now. And so I'm going to encourage you to use honesty in that um, hopefully this gentleman can understand who you are as an individual. He appreciates who you are so much that having that bipolar disorder is not going to stop him from wanting to be with you. Right, and, uh, and hopefully he appreciates the honesty letting so that he knows what's going on. That would be appreciated. Yeah, I think honesty is really important. You might even want to consider doing it in a couple session. You might want to call the office and 
set up a session and, and have someone with you when you're giving that information because to me that's a, that's a lot of information to give and you could become emotional, he get angry, but you don't want him to think that you're keeping secrets. And that's anybody out there that has any kind of situation that could change your mood or anything that you're dealing with that you're managing with or without medication but with or without therapy, however you're managing it, you want to be able to express that situation and know that a person can stay with you. And you also want to be honest because this is a part of who you are. So good question. My next question says, I am a college. Let me just also back up and say I purposefully left out people's names and their questions just to kind of protect them. Sure. But the next question says, I am a college junior, and I have decided to break up with my girlfriend. She attempted suicide earlier this school year, and I just can't handle it. I have waited a couple of months, but the situation was so, was too much to handle. How do I do it? I had to break up with my mate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I said, no, there should be no shame. You shouldn't have any problem bringing up with you should not have no problem bringing up with that person. That's your, you're free to make that decision, just like any other thing they have the personality or something about that you choosing not to continue on a relationship, you have the right to decide to, to break up with somebody, right? So it's free will, you have that choice. Um, as you look into it, and on, I don't know, you said, how long are they going out together, you said? Didn't say. Okay. So on how, how serious the relationship is, how, how much you want to get into why you're breaking up with the person, I guess it depends on how serious you guys were. If you're only dating for a few months, hey, you know what? It's not, it's not really working out, and just kind of part away. You don't have to go into any kind of detail. But, you know, you guys have been going out for a year and a half, two years. It's kind of serious. You may want to say, hey, you know what? I feel this for you, but I really can't handle um, the situation mm-hmm. uh, that you're going through with the suicide. I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't feel like I can handle it. Um, it has an impact on me that I don't like, and I, I just can't handle it. I need to, we need to kind of go separate ways. What I'm hearing in the question is I think the young man feels like he doesn't want her to complete a suicide if if he breaks up with her. Mm-hmm. And and that's a really tough situation. So that's a situation that I would get a school counselor involved in. You are a college student. You said that, you know, she attended suicide early this school year. It was too much for you to handle. Um, I'm hearing here that you feel overloaded. So if I were you, I would t- contact the school counselor and just say, the same question that you said to me, even without giving up a name, and see what they're able to offer you, see what they're able to help you with. But I agree with Darren. He says you shouldn't feel guilty, shouldn't be hard. It may be difficult. You may feel guilty. However, if this is something that you can't deal with, you do have a right to say that I can't handle it. Like, that's too much for me. I don't have what it takes to deal with that. And I think that that's a lot of times that's a very scary thing for a boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse to hear that you're suicidal and not – feel like you can help the situation, and that can be overwhelming. And if you cannot handle it, it's sooner rather than later, but also with support. You want to make sure that she has a support network like so that you can say these things, but that you both have a support network because you can't cause anyone to complete a suicide. Um, that's an, a choice, even though many people fall back into a corner to make the choice. It's still a choice, and I really don't want you to feel trapped, but I also don't want you to feel guilt either. So I'm going to suggest that you make a call either to, to this office and that you do that and you all work through this in some couples counseling or that you do it on campus with the campus counseling. Yeah. Okay. Good question. Very good question so far. The next question says, my husband has recently back from a tour of duty in the military. He seems so different, and I'm pretty sure it's depression. He gets angry whenever I bring it up, but I think he needs help. What should I do? Another good question. You know, first of all, let me go backwards and say that 
being separated from your family to serve in the military is very honorable, but it's also very difficult. And it's a very different lifestyle to be enlisted and to be moving with the group and to be kind of in a different, um, it's just a different atmosphere and culture that home is. And there's a lot of times that people need a, a decompression time to sort of get themselves back into gear of everyday life. So I also feel like your husband may be feeling some shame associated with it. Like, why isn't he tough enough to, you know, go to war and then come back and be okay? And a lot of people have trouble, and a lot of folks have a lot of shame about the situation. So I'm going to tell you to encourage him to get treatment, to encourage him to talk to someone. And also you be willing to listen, not to solve. I want to be very careful. I'm not telling you to say this is what you should do. But to be able to say, I hear you. I hear that. I, I hear you. Like you may not get it or understand it, but that you can hear him, that he feels like he has a voice. And then slowly as you're listening, kind of help him understand that you're so proud of him, you have no shame associated with his service or the way that he's feeling, and you really want him to be the best that he can be, and that you think maybe you guys together could go in for something. I mean, I think if you encourage that you all do it together, that you may find that he may be more open to it. Great points. Yeah. Great points. Nothing to add on that. Great points. Okay. Good question. <clears throat> the next question says, after an argument with my girlfriend, I told her that I was considering suicide. In the moment, I meant it. She called the police and a wellness check was done. She is not Call me since then. What should I do? That's a big question. Yeah. We have some time I mean, I think, obviously, your girlfriend cares about you by making that call because she was concerned about you and wanted to make sure that you had help. Uh, she may be feeling frightened right now um, from staying, cause she, I mean, because she doesn't really know how to handle it, per se. She doesn't know what the next steps would be. Um, from a, a coaching standpoint, my standpoint, is I would maybe want to write her a letter, you know, of, that way it's not too intrusive and she's not feeling if she needs to step back, she can read it on her own leisure and maybe write her a letter of what your thoughts are and stuff like that and say that to her and try and open the communication up through a letter. Yeah, I have to tell you, you scared her. You scared her. I mean, people should be able to have an argument or a discussion without their partner threatening suicide. And it just gets really difficult for people. And I think the person that's feeling that way, those are real feelings for people. But I often think that a person that threatens suicide does not understand the impact that that has on other people. And I think your girlfriend was frightened, and she's taking space because she needs it. So I would take a cue from her. She stepped away. Give her the space. Mm -hmm. She asked for space, basically. Darren brings up a good point. A letter may be, you know, may be helpful. But you also have to be open to the idea that she may not be interested in any contact with you. And even the letter may not make her want to have contact. Right. So you have to consider that, that this was a very huge thing for her to hear, that we had an argument and now I'm suicidal. Because what that means is she can she never express her opinion, you know? The other thing were some things said by her or you, some other things that should not have been said. So if she was saying mean and spiteful and hurtful things, then she may not be able to deal either with the effects of her behavior on you. I mean, each of us in a relationship has an effect on the other person. So when a person threatens or attempts suicide, that partner that they're with, that carries weight for that partner. That's a burden, and that's a real serious situation. I'm going to encourage you, even if your girlfriend doesn't talk to you again, I think the letter is a great idea, to seek some individual therapy for yourself, to call the office, not, if not this office, some office, and get some help for yourself because people should be able to have discussions with you, and, and you, in some ways that could be viewed as emotional blackmail, that an argument is had, you're suicidal, and now she's feeling unsafe to express opinions and frightened. 
And we also, I mean, from, from what you wrote, I don't know what her background is. I don't know if someone completed suicide in her life. I don't know if she's felt suicidal at some point. I don't know how she's been affected in her past life by the comments that you're saying today. And so I feel like you have the right to express yourself, but you may want to choose a therapist to express yourself those particular issues with so that you can get some other tools to use. Again, an argument just for people out there listening, a soft start may be may be helpful. Like when you're approaching someone with a hot topic, you might want to start it kind of softly and calmly so that an argument doesn't blow up and get and get out of proportion. What do you mean by that? In what detail is a soft start? You know, a soft start is a lot of times people argue and then they say to me, Dr. Noel, I was angry, so in the moment I said what I had to say. You know, I said whatever I needed to say. But a soft start is more like saying, hey, D, I've got a concern about the way you cooked the hot dogs last night, for example. For okay. example, and is, it, is this a good time for us to talk about it? Rather than you burn the hot dogs again, I can't believe, you know, rather than right. starting the conversation riled up. So in an argument, a lot of times we have to learn how to keep ourselves calm. Right. And it's, it's not okay to say just whatever in the heat of a moment. You really have to keep good yourself, point. you really have to keep yourself under some type of control. And if you can't, and some people can't, then you need some other coping skills, and I think therapy will help you with those coping skills. Yeah, I definitely think you want to have some professional uh, talk to a counselor and have them walk through some things with you and step through what your feelings are and why at that moment you felt like suicide was an option for you. Absolutely. And I don't want people to get confused. I don't want people to think, well, you all are constantly saying on your show to have open communication, and then I said I was suicidal. Isn't that open and truthful communication? It may be, but you have to understand the effect that that comment may have on another person. Yes. And we all have to be cognizant and mindful of how we are affecting other people when we when we are we're saying certain things. So good job, good question. Um, the next question says, my grandmother is so sad and it's making me afraid. This is the first time, this is the first Thanksgiving without my grandfather. How do I show support? You know, that's a, that's a great question, and that's something um, people go through. Is very, it can be very challenging. And I would I, I would think just showing love and your love and, uh, to a grandmother and also talking to your grandmother about how your grandfather impacted you and how much you loved him. Say, I, Grandma, I sure do miss Grandpa during his time. He used to cut the turkey. He would go and walk with me or whatever, share some of the experiences with her uh, based on from your point of view that they know may help. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's a couple things I'm going to suggest. The first one is bravo <clears throat> to you for being concerned enough about your grandmother to try to be supportive to her. Yes. Um, there's a way in which you have to be supportive but also respectful, right, because she's your grandmother. So I'm, I'm suspecting that she's at least, 30-some-odd, 40 years older than you. Mm-hmm. So a couple things I'm going to suggest that you do. Same thing as I had with another caller. Be willing to listen. If she's reminiscing about granddad, be there. Listen, be a part of it, be in the moment with her. If you've got some happy stories, you know, a lot of times happier stories are the better ones. So whatever the happy memories are, I want you to be able to relate to those happy memories, feel those happy memories, and also then talk about legacy. So when Darren says talk about the way your grandfather impacted you, that's showing your grandmother some hope that there's a legacy that grandpa left behind, and we are both a part of that legacy. Yes. Also, understanding that you lost a grandfather, she lost a husband. So she lost someone that she's been with for probably most of her adult life, and that's a big deal to, to, to be with someone for that amount of time 
and then they don't, they're not there anymore. Like they're gone overnight. That's a big deal for a person. So I want you to be able to listen to that and say, hey, Grandma, that you're right. That's heavy. That's a big deal, and I appreciate you sharing that with me. The other thing is sometimes it's okay to not talk about granddad and just have a good time with her, enjoy the turkey, maybe go over. If she's cooking, cook with her. If she's baking cake, go over and bake cakes with her. If you've got kids, take your kids to be with her. Some of the enjoyment and excitement that other people are having may also make your grandmother feel good. Because some of that, like like you mentioned, that's her husband, her partner, who she shared her life with. Sometimes she just needs someone to take up some of that emotional space, right? Someone who who's going to be there when she's cooking. Oh, you're kind of filling up that emotional gap of having another human being to talk to while I'm doing my cooking or just do be together while I'm sewing or things of that nature. So I would try and take some cues from your grandmother um, as well and kind of, you know, see where she's coming from at that particular day because one day she may want to talk about it and one day she may not mm-hmm. want to talk about it. So kind of judge based on how the feelings or feedback she's giving you which direction she wants to go that particular time when you're with her. Absolutely. You may also want to try to find a support group for your grandmother. I, I don't know if she's getting any help if she's talking to anybody, but there are lots of grief counselors that work alongside a lot of the funeral homes. So you may want to call the funeral home that handles your grandfather's burial and see if they have any connections to grief counselors. We also have grief counselors here at Noel and Associates that are, that are able and willing to, to work excuse me, with your grandmother. In addition, also realize that the loss of your grandfather also represents a loss of a generation for your grandmother. Um, you are considerably younger than her, and it, when she sees her husband die, she's realizing that she's also getting close to the, the same thing in her own life where she's getting older and those types of things. So, you know, give some positive positive reinforcement when she's doing good and, and feeling good. Say, Grandma, I'm so excited. You seem so happy. You know, when you're laughing and she's laughing, laugh with her together. You know, if she wants to reminisce, reminisce with her. Um, not a lot of pressure. I'm not suggesting you call tomorrow morning and go, hey, Grandma, are you so sad that Grandpa isn't here? I'm not suggesting that you do that. I'm suggesting, though, that when she is able and willing to talk about it, that you're, you're there to talk about it as well. And you may want to get some of the elders involved. If she's your grandmother, that means you have a parent somewhere. So see if your parents can also, they can see, they remember 20 years of stuff that you don't remember. Right, because they were also parent, right? Right. And so right. they may have some information that may be fun for her. It may also be nice to, I don't know, you know, if she's ready for this, but for you guys to make a collage, I often tell people, make a collage of pictures to that person that you miss and that you love so much. Um, you know, my family has a crazy Thanksgiving, well, not crazy, but a funny Thanksgiving t- tradition where we name the turkey after somebody in honor of that person. You know, I don't know if that's something that you guys want to try. Or maybe just, you know, making a toast to him and his memory, you know, for Thanksgiving. There's lots of new traditions that you guys can start around around that. That's great. That's great. I, I, if we had time, I wanted to go back to the uh, first question we had, I had a follow-up question on that. We had time. I wanted to save it to the end. Make sure we got to everybody's questions at least. But going back to the first question, you want to see anything else on no, the last question? On that first question, it was about the uh, the person who had a best friend um, that they were concerned about. We recommend them talk to their parents and or a school counselor. Mm-hmm. At the end of that, you had a comment about you recommend them going back to their best friend and telling them that they told. Yes. Okay. Just want to, so I just want to clarify that and just go into that a little deeper if we can. So you do recommend they go back and tell that best friend, hey, I did share this information. Yeah, if you're able to. I mean, if if you feel brave enough and strong enough to do that, let me just say why. I don't want her to – I wouldn't want your friend to get blindsided. Like, hey, Susie Q, come up to the front office, and everybody sits down and shuts the door, and they're like, do you know why we're here? You know, that's yeah. that's the kind of thing. So what you might want to do is – 
to be sitting in the, you know, maybe you should talk to your school counselor and see how they want to handle it. But you may want to be sitting there when they talk to the school counselor. You may want to take her with you to the school counselor and say, listen, I don't know what to do. Can we both go to the school counselor? You can come with me, but either way I'm going to go. You may want to say, listen, tell your mom and dad. If not, I'm going to talk to my mom or I'm going to talk to my school counselor. That's what I mean about okay. informing, right. informing that person. So you don't want the person to give you hindsight, like you said. Yeah, because you are friends. At the end of the day, you are friends. But even if you can't, if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to notify them, you still really, really, for their safety and also for your emotional health, you don't want to be up late night saying, you know, wondering about your friend and seeing, you know, wondering what could happen. So for your own safety, but even for theirs too, you want to tell somebody what's going on, and then you also at some point, if you can sit with them if you want to or not, but you may also want to let them know that you you know, that you've told someone. But you've really got to think about at the end of the day, if you were in the same situation, would you want help or not help? If your friend told me, that sounds like a cry out for help, that they're crying out to get to, to get some help. I would agree with that, absolutely, because guess what? People who don't tell people, those are people who don't want help, and they just go ahead and execute whatever the, the, plan, is, the plan is. If they're mentioning it to somebody, even though they don't say they want help, that's really a call for help. I would say so. I would say the clinician that that's a call for help. So, you know, I'm going to tell you that there are lots of signs of depression. Not every person has every one of the signs. And a lot of the signs of depression are things that we have in our lives for for a day, for a week, um, for two weeks. But it's these long periods of time, and a lot of times that's the traumatic event. The other thing is somebody might have been struggling with depression for so long that you may no longer be seeing the signs of it because – You've only the whole time you knew them, they had a lack of motivation. They slept a lot, they ate a lot, whatever those signs are that you noticed. But you you always want to err on the side of safety. That's what I want to tell you that when there's a situation, you always want to err on the side of safety. So we've run out of time. I appreciate all the calls, all the questions that everybody had. We'll talk to you same time, same place next week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye bye. You gotta be. <laughs>